The following sermon was preached at Tower View Baptist Church. We are a gospel-centered, relationship-driven church that exists to know, grow in, share, and serve Jesus Christ. We do all this for the glory of God. For more about us, please check out our website at www.towerviewkc.com. Good morning, Tower View. Good morning, once and all. This is your Tower View Sunday School lesson for June 27th, 2021. It is also your traffic report. I'd like to report that I-35 is still closed off just in front of the church between 48th Street and Interstate 35. That section is still 100% closed. Randolph Road is closed at 53rd Terrace where the bridge used to go over to Gracemore. That bridge is gone or in the process of being gone. So how do you get to church today? If you're coming from the north, um, you know, you got to come, you got to get to 48th Street, whether it's through Brighton or get, you gotta get to Brighton and 48th Street, however you want to get to Brighton and 48th Street. And then you come down 48th Street to the east towards the church. You can turn at Randolph Road. You have to drive around the road closed barricades. It says roads closed to through traffic. You were not through traffic. You were local traffic. You can legally drive around those barricades to get to Tower View. If you don't want to do that, you can do Winchester, which is the road just to the west of the church. It's a side street. And you go back, and you have to do a little jog around, and you drive behind the water tower, the west side of it, down to 50th Street, and then you come to the church from, from the west side. Both work. If you're coming from the south, from Independence or south of the river, you can come to church normally. Interstate, you, everybody is forced off at Parvin Road, so you can still get off there. Allow extra time. Now, this morning I got here, it was early Sunday morning, so there's hardly any traffic out there, but as the day goes, the traffic's going to build. So provide... And you're going to have out-of-town people who are confused, who don't know which way to go. So be prepared for extra traffic, prepared for confused traffic. Apparently yesterday there was a semi-truck that was caught in the U-turn ramp at 48th Street, at the outer road in 48th Street. He didn't make the turn very well, and he got stuck. Um, So if you're coming to church today, church is at the normal time, 1030. Nothing's changing there. Sunday school is right now. Normal time. Nothing's changed. So, who am I? I'm Well, you see I'm from Tower View. You can check out us out at towerviewkc.com. You see our phone number there. Um, let's see here. There we go. That's what I want. Who am I? I don't know. I have to click buttons and make this thing happen. There, there I am. I'm Nelson Nissen, one of the associate pastor here at Tower View Baptist Church. And this is your Sunday school lesson. Let's see. I'm going to click here and see if anybody's complaining. Oh, good morning, Karen. Good morning, Shirley and Don. Welcome. I am glad you are there. We have eyeballs. Um, Nobody is saying, I can't hear you. So I I assume you can hear me. Um, Darren is not blowing up my phone saying he can't hear me. So I assume everybody can hear me. Um, Always paranoid about that because you never know what's going to happen. 
Technology is grand when it works. So this is your Sunday School lesson. We've been going through the book of Job this morning. And um, let's start with a word of prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for the blessings you provide us, Lord. Lord, we even thank you for the inconvenience of road construction because that means things are being fixed, things are being made better. It's a sometimes a, a, a pain in the rear to, to, to deal with it during the time, but we know that it, it, it will get better once with the construction's over, when it gets done. I pray that your word will still be preached today in spite of road construction, beside, in spite of obstacles to get to church. Not spiritual obstacles, just road construction obstacles. But I pray that we can get there. I pray for those who are hurting, Lord. Um, we had a, a former member pass away this, this past week, Lord, unexpectedly. We have members who are in the hospital. Lord, we pray for them and, and their families as they struggle through the trials and tribulations that it be. We pray for people who are just, just have a toothache. Lord, that people who just have a migraine headache today or just not feeling well, that they can worship you too. And Lord, those who just suffer from depression and anxiety, and we pray for them. Those who suffer from anger all the time, nothing's ever makes them happy, Lord. We pray that your Holy Spirit will calm their heart and change their heart to work around those things, Lord, so they won't lash out and hurt others. And we pray for those, and we just thank you, Lord, for those who are serving you, who have overcome obstacles, who, have, who are serving you, who are healthy, who are doing well financially, Lord. We thank you for them, too, as they continue to serve you, that they don't turn their back on you just because things are doing well. And, Lord, we, we just lift all these people up, each and every one, and help us as we study your word this morning, the words of Job and his friends that we can use it to grow closer to you. You are the mighty God, and we just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, so we're in the book of Job. If you're in your book, that's session four, and as I said in the past couple of weeks, we are, I'm just using that as a guide. So session four, and so the way, way the study guide works is they just look at one chapter and one set of verses in one chapter, and... And Job, I don't think that's very helpful as you go through the book of Job because it's a book that flows. And, and, and you need to understand the conversations that are happening. And so, I, so while I'm using that as a guide, um, but we're, we're looking at bigger sh- segments at a time. So the, chapter 22 begins with a third series of speeches, third series of dialogues. Um, so far, the, the book of Job, we had the first two chapters, which was um, a description of events in heaven, between, uh, the conversation between God and Satan. But we also saw what happened on earth with Job, and so we got a glimpse of Job's life. And as his life went barreling, spiraling downhill, and even the conversation with Job and his wife, the only words that his wife has spoken or recorded in Job, which is in chapter 2, and we don't even get her name. And then starting with chapter 3, Job just starts talking, 
And then his three friends take turns speaking to Job. And after each time Job's friends speak, Job responds to them. So Eliphaz speaks, and then Job speaks, and then Beldad speaks, and then Job speaks, and then Zophar speaks, and then Job speaks. And that's happened two times. In the last two weeks, we've looked at that. We went, all three of those men spoke, and and then Job responded to each one of them. And Job began the whole conversation. He was the first one to speak. So now we get to round three. So for the third time, we get Eliphaz speaking. And and that's in chapter 22. So in Job 22, Eliphaz is speaking, starting in verse 1. I'm going to look at verses 1 through 4 to begin with. Then Eliphaz the Temanite replied, Can a man be of any use to God? Can even a wise man be of use to him? Does it delight the Almighty if you are righteous? Does he profit if if you perfect your behavior? Does he correct you and take you to court because of your piety? So Eliphaz and his friends know about God, and they're, they're not dummies. They're not atheists by any means. They know about God. They seem to be godly men in the outward sense. Um, and they get some things right, but they don't get it completely right is the problem. And the problem is they have no compassion. While they're not always wrong, they have absolutely no compassion, and they have absolutely no discernment, in life, they think everything is black and white. There's only one answer. There is no shades of gray. Um, has absolutely no implication to any other literature that you may have heard of. There are no shades of gray in their eyes in, 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 in life. Can a man be of any use to God? Well, no. We, 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 God doesn't need our help. That's that's a correct question, and the implication is the answer is no. Can even a wise man be of use to him? No. We does God need pastors to help to help God? No, He doesn't need our help. So those are correct questions. Does does it delight the Almighty if you are righteous? Well, yes, and now he's starting to he's starting to fall off the edge here. Yes, God delights in our righteousness. He doesn't want us to sin. Does he profit if you are if you perfect your behavior? No, no, God doesn't profit from that. No. But he is glorified from it. God is glorified by your righteous behavior. As you as you glean and as you learn how to eliminate sin from your life as you get older, God is glorified. So now he's starting to get off base. And then verse 4, he completely off base. Does he correct you and take you to court because of your piety? Yes, that is exactly what happened to Job. Not, not that God did it, Satan did it. But it was exactly because of Job's piety that he is suffering. <laughs> the... the, the, uh, the, the uh, get-rich-quick-scheme gospel just doesn't work in the book of Job. Job is taken to court. He is suffering because of his piety. And Jesus warned that this would happen. He said, your families are going to be separated because of me. He said, people are going to lie about you and, and threat and, and 
about you and, and arrest you and throw you in jail and execute you because of Jesus, because of your piety. Now they're completely off base. These men have knowledge but no heart. That's the problem. Look down at verses 14 and 15 of chapter 22. And so he goes on to explain how the wicked will suffer. In verse 14, he ends that section. Clouds veil him so he cannot see, and that's the wicked person. And he walks in the... No, I'm sorry. That's talking about God. God's veil, Clouds veil him so he cannot see as he walks in the circle of the sky. So we can't see God, right? He's up high, at least metaphorically. And we can't see him. Then verse 15. Will you continue on the ancient path that wicked men have walked? So he's being all high and mighty and talking about God and how we can't see him. And then he, then he attacks Job. Will you continue in your wicked path? He has absolutely no evidence that Job is wicked. Zero. But yet as you look through here, verses 5 through, he actually lambasts them. So in verse 6, it says, For you took collateral from your brothers without cause. Verse 7, You took no, you gave no water to the thirsty and withheld food from the famished. He has no, Job didn't do these things. How do I know? Well, we'll get to that. But we know Job didn't do those things because it wouldn't, if Job did these things, he wouldn't have said that God, Job feared God and was an upright and righteous man and turned away from evil. Because that, exactly what, that is exactly what the evil people do, is they don't help the others. So we know that is a bold-faced lie. He's just making it up, trying to find a, a reason for making sense of Job's suffering. He couldn't make sense of Job's suffering, so he, he, he said it must be Job's fault. In verses 21, it says, Come to, pe- come to terms with God and be at peace. In this way, God, good will come to you. Receive instruction from his mouth and place his, save, his sayings in your heart. If you return to the Almighty, you will be renewed. If you banish injustice from your tent and consign gold to the dust and gold of Ophir to the stones of the wadis, the Almighty will be your gold and your finest silver. So a nice evangelistic message. Yes, you should come to terms with God and be at peace. And that's a message that you need to give to the unrighteous, to those who are not following God. They don't apply to Job. We need to be careful when we start lambasting people and and, and blaming them for the problems they have in their life. Yes, sometimes it is. Sometimes problems in our life are our own fault. You know, I'm, 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 you know... My car is being repossessed. Why? Because I bought a car that I couldn't afford and I can't make the payments. Because I was too prideful. I wanted to have a new car, even though I couldn't afford a new, the payments for a new car. And now I, I can't pay them anymore. The electricity shut off because I'm making all my payments to the car and I can't make the utility payments. You know, we got arrested. Why? Because we did something illegal. That's why you get arrested. 
Sometimes problems come our own way. I'm having liver failure. Why? Because I've been drinking a fifth of whiskey every every day for the past 20 years. That will kill your liver. Sometimes it's our own fault. Sometimes it's somebody else's sin's fault. You know, why am I suffering all this pain? Because somebody else was driving drunk and they crashed into me. They ran a stop sign and they crashed into me. And so sometimes it's somebody else's fault. And we're suffering. We're in a fallen world. Sometimes we're suffering because of natural disaster that hits a whole town. It hits the righteous and the unrighteous. Why did it happen? Because we live in a fallen world. We get diseases. Why? Because we live in a fallen world because of sin. And so it's hard to make justification for it. So Eliphaz ends his speech in verse 30, 2230. He will even rescue the guilty one. Who will be rescued by the purity of your hands? Another accusation against Job. God will rescue even the guilty ones. Or Literally, it says the not innocent. But who will Job rescue? Well, he is right. Job can't rescue anybody, at least not spiritually. But the implication is that Job is not spiritual, that Job has turned his back on God. And Job has not. And so this third series of speeches is the last series of speeches. So this is the last words we hear from Eliphaz. So in verse 20, in chapter 23 and 24 is Job's reply to Eliphaz. In 23.1, it says this, Then Job answered, Today also, today also my bitter, my complaint is bitter. His hand, that's God's hand, is, is heavy despite my groanings. If only I knew how to find him so that I could go to his throne, I would plead my case before him and fill my mouth with arguments. I would learn how he would answer me and understand what he would say to me. So Job cries out another prayer request. If only I could find him so that I could go to his throne, I could plead my case. In verse 5, I would learn how he would answer me. God answered this request. He saw, he spoke to God face to face. Now Job didn't get to lay out his case. Actually, he already... As you read through the book of Job, Job lays out his case to God. God already heard all that. But we get God's reply to Job. Which, by our understanding, wasn't very satisfying. We'll get to that in the next couple of weeks. Not too many spoilers. And so Job makes this request, and God grants it. Again, we talked about last week with... Job asked that his words be written down and saved for posterity, and it happened. He called God his Redeemer. He's correct. He called God his Redeemer, but Eliphaz still thinks that Job is, is evil. What Job continues down in verse 8, chapter 23, verse 8. If I go east, he is not there. If I go west, I cannot perceive him. When he is at work to the north, I cannot see him. When he turns south, I cannot find him. So he, Job's looking in all directions, north, south, east, west. And he, Job cannot find God. 
But, verse 10, yet he knows the way I have taken. When he has tested me, I will emerge as pure gold. My feet have followed in his tracks. I have kept to his ways and have not turned aside. I have not departed from the commands from his lips. I have treasured the words from his mouth more than my daily food. Even so, Job cannot find God. He knows that God is tracking him. Verse 10 is, yet he knows the way I have taken. I don't know where God is, but God knows where I am. And he knows that and he trusts that. And he trusts and he says, I know that I will be found pure. And he was. God declared him righteous, spoilers, in the last chapter. And declared the three friends not righteous. And Job declares he is following God. The the last part of verse 12, I have treasured the words from his mouth more than my daily food. Do you treasure God more than you desire food? Think how the hungriest you have ever been. When was it in life? What circumstances caused you to be so hungry? Do you desire God more than you desired food at that time? If somebody would have gave you a choice, I'll give you food if you denounce God. I'll give you food if you do this sinful if you do a sinful act. Would you do it for the food? From one of my deployments, I, I know that uh, the Islamic State, ISIS, when they, when they went into a territory and took it over, they forced people to follow them. They said, you want a job? You have to swear your allegiance to us and do the things that we want. You want a job? You have to do what we tell you to do in the way that we tell you to do it. So some of those insurgents that, have, that were attacking others were doing it because they had no other choice if to feed their family. They weren't following our Redeemer because they went into places where they followed um, Islam. And, and, and so Islam doesn't have the same concepts of God and forgiveness. And so... They were doing what they could just to feed their family. So sometimes that meant taking up arms against others in order to feed their family because otherwise they, they would be left destitute. And so they had a choice, take up arms and attack their other fellow countrymen or starve and watch their children starve. What would you do if that choice came to you? It's hard to say. So well, I wouldn't do that. Well, no, we're, we're, we're fat, dumb, and happy here in America right now. That's not a choice. But it could be a choice someday. Who knows? I don't know what the future holds. Pray that if that ever happens, that you will choose the righteous answer. Uh, people have, in America, have faced it. 
they, have, they, they work for a company and their boss asked them to do something unrighteous. And if they don't do it, they're going to lose their job. Legal or not, they're going to lose their job. The only way to get it back is uh, go through the court system. That, that's a hard thing to do. And we see in the book of Genesis, uh, Joseph, he lost his job. Why? Because he wouldn't sleep with the boss's wife. And so she lied about him and got him thrown in jail. He chose the words of God over food. He was ultimately restored, but it took years. Just kind of a side note here. It says, I have treasured the words from his mouth. Now, if Job is the old is was was really written during the uh, time of Abraham, or at least that time period. What words of God would he Job know? What was written down? Moses, as far as we know, was the first to write down Scripture. Was there? the stories of Scripture written down before Moses, as Moses consolidated them into the Torah? Possibly. We don't know that. Um, were there prophets that spoke the words of God? Possibly. Um, we don't know that. Um, but those are the things, you know, somehow Job knew about God and God's words. It wasn't a new thing. And so Job knew about those things. Verses 13 to 17, chapter 23, verses 13 to 17. But he is unchangeable. That's God. Who can oppose him? He does what he desires. He will certainly accomplish what he decreed for me. And he has many more things like these in mind. So Job resigns his fact to God does what he wants. Now God is benevolent. He doesn't do bad things. You know, we think of, well, he does what he wants. It's not necessarily, you know, we think they're doing bad things. But not, this is God. He's, he's benevolent. He has many more things like these in mind. He will accomplish his deeds. He's resigned his fact to what is God. Verse 15, therefore I am terrified in his presence. When I consider this, I am afraid of him. God has made my heart faint. The Almighty has terrified me, yet I am not destroyed. I am not destroyed by the darkness, by the thick darkness that covers my face. Even though it scares the bejeebers out of him to think about facing God, he knows he's not dead. He hasn't been destroyed by God. All his works have been, you know, Job's, handiworks have been destroyed, his family has been destroyed, his wealth has been destroyed, his health, is just, he's, he's alive, but not very pleasantly, and he, and he rejoices in the fact that he hasn't been destroyed, he is still alive, and that God is still God. Can you do that in your suffering? Can you rejoice and find the... And find the blessings in the midst of the misery. Some days that's easier than others. Chapter 24, I'm, 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 Job continues speaking about the wicked and how God doesn't seem to punish the wicked. 
in time. And then he, he issues a challenge in the very last verse of 24, 20, in, in chapter 24, verse 25. If this is not true, then who can prove me a liar and show that my speech is worthless? So he issues you a challenge. He's saying that God doesn't isn't destroy the wicked the way Eliphaz has claimed that he has. So Beldad picks up where he, the next in chapter 25. Beldad speaks. Then Beldad the Shuite replied, Dominion and dread belong to him, the one who establishes harmony in his heights. Can his troops be numbered? Does, he light, does his light shine on everyone? How can a human be justified before God? How can one born of woman be pure? Even the moon does not shine and the stars are not pure in his sight. How much less a human who is a maggot, a son of man, who is a worm? And then he stops right there. His shortest speech. It, it, to, to me, it, it seems like he doesn't really finish his thoughts. Like maybe Job cut him off. And once again, Beldad, dominion and dread belong to him. Well, yes, that's true. It does. He, and the one who establishes harmony in his sight. Well, that is true. God establishes the harmony. Can God's troops be numbered? No. This is, does his light not shine on everyone? Yes, it does. He is cor- Beldad is correct. How can a human be justified before God? Well, in our own self, no, not at all. But Job knew. He said, I, I know I have a redeemer. And that's how we can stand before because we do have a redeemer. And Job didn't know about Jesus Christ. We do. We have a redeemer. So we can st- stand justified before God because of what Jesus did. How can one be born of a woman be pure? We can't. But because of Jesus, our Redeemer, we can stand before God. And so he starts saying, are we, you know, we're a maggot, we're a worm. There's a song about that. And then it's like he just stopped, either he just stopped talking or Job cut him off because he doesn't finish making his point. And so we get in chapter 26, we get Job. Speaking. And so this is the last words we have of Beldad. And then in verse chapters 26 through 31 are all the words of Job. And we get no more words from Zophar. Zophar doesn't make a third speech. Not at all. So the third series of speeches is only a partial third series because Zophar never speaks. Um some some have tried to take some of Job's words and say, well, maybe these belong to to, to, to Zophar in a section in chapter twenty seven, but that's unconvincing because it doesn't say. And then Zophar spoke. It, why would they leave that out after they put it in every other time? That doesn't make any sense. So Job, Zophar just doesn't make a third speech because, well, he doesn't have anything new to say. Beldad and Eliphaz didn't say anything new this time. Well, Eliphaz kind of did because he made specific accusations against Job. But other than that, no, nothing new. Job keeps talking about his relationship with God, and he keeps talking to God. In chapter 26, verse 1, Then Job answered, How have you helped the powerless and delivered the arm of the weak? 
How have you counseled the unwise and abundantly provided insight? With whom did you speak these words? Whose breath came out of your mouth? And so he's talking to Beldad and Eliphaz and Zophar. He says, who have you helped? The implication is that Job helped. I helped these people. You didn't. Where were you? You didn't help anybody. Going on, continue on in chapter 27, verse 1. Job continues his discourse, saying, so he didn't give a chance for Zophar to speak. As, as God lives, who has deprived me of justice? The Almighty, who has made me bitter. As God lives, who has deprived me of justice? And the Almighty, who has made me bitter. And the implication is God is the one that's deprived him. Verse 3, as long as my breath is still in me and, my, and the breath from thy nostril remain, from God remains in my nostrils, my lips will not speak unjustly. My tongue will not utter, utter deceit. I will never affirm that you are right. I will maintain my integrity until I die. I will cling to my righteousness and never let it go. My conscience will not accuse me as long as I live. Job doesn't stop. He says, I'm going to, even though it's God who is doing this to me and has made me bitter, still I am not going to sin. Remember way back in chapter 2, it said in all these words, Job did not sin. He says, I'm not going to utter deceit. I am not out of my misery going to turn to sin and start lashing out at people. He is going to continue serving God no matter what. He's not going to stop. He is not going to stop serving God. He's, he, he's just not going to do it. Um, and he's going to continue choosing the righteous path, even though it seems like it's getting him nowhere. You know, it's, it's kind of like the old Groucho Marx joke. Hey, Doc, it hurts when I do this. And the, and the Doc goes, well, then don't do that. Sometimes following God causes earthly problems. But the earthly problems are temporary. Life is, heaven is eternal. God is eternal. Do you choose God even if it causes you earthly problems? And Job says, Yes, I will can keep serving God even if it caused me earthly problems. Chapter 28, which is where the lesson plan is. And, and whoever made the chapters actually got this you got this right. Chapter 28 is a is a, is a my Bible calls it a hymn of of wisdom. Um, that's what the subtitle is for that chapter. But it is it is is about wisdom. And Job uses poetry, as this whole book is, is poetry, in, in word imagery, to make a point about wisdom. Where do you find wisdom? In chapter 28, verse 1, it says, Surely there is a mine for silver and a place where gold is refined. Iron is taken from the ground and copper is smelted from ore. A miner, a miner puts an end to the darkness and he probes the deepest recesses for ore in the gloomy darkness. And he continues talking about mining all the way through verse 11. And if you know anything about mining, <laughs> it's still accurate. Everything in there is accurate about mining. 
We may use more machinery now, but it's the same process. Verse 12, but where can wisdom be found? So he's talking about finding all this ore. You have to dig deep into the ground where animals don't roam, where the light doesn't get to. It's dark. Where paths where people haven't tread before and birds don't fly. And and, and, and mines are in uh, uh, far-flung places, far from the cities, far from where people live. And so it's hard to get to. It's hard to get to the mine site. It's hard to get to the ore once you get to the mine site. It takes a lot of work. So in verse 12, But where can wisdom be found? And where is understanding located? You have to work as hard for wisdom as you do finding iron ore. Verse 13, in 28, 13, No one can know its value since it cannot be found in the land of the living. It can't be found in the land of... Well, no, because it's found from God in heaven. That is not the land of the living. The eternal living, but not the earthly living. The ocean depths say, It's not in me. And while the seas declare, I don't have it, gold cannot be exchanged for it, and silver cannot be weighed out for its price. Wisdom cannot be valued in the gold of Ophir. And precious onyx or lapis luzi, gold and glass, do not compare with it, and the articles of fine gold cannot be exchanged for it. Coral and quartz are not worth mentioning. The price of wisdom is beyond pearls. Topaz from Cush cannot compare with it, and and it cannot be valued in pure gold. And we know God is compared to gold. Wisdom is compared to gold in other places in Scripture and Proverbs. Um, in, in, in the New Testament, silver and gold have I none, but I have a beggar with Peter. A beggar wants, wants, wants you know, some, some, some money to pay for food, and, and Peter says, silver and gold have I none, but what I have. And he heals the man, and the man can walk. Because God's power is beyond wealth. In Acts also, the, the, the I can't remember the name, the musician who was who willing to pay Paul money so he, he, he could learn how to heal people the way Paul healed people with the power of God. And Paul chastised them that you cannot get the things of God with money. But that was all already here in Job. <laughs> It wasn't new with Peter and Paul. It wasn't new with King Solomon and the Proverbs. It was here in Job already. Verse 20, where does wisdom come from and where is understanding located? It is hidden from the eyes of every living thing and concealed from the birds of the sky. Abaddon and Death say we have heard news of it with our ears. But God, but God understands the way to wisdom, and he knows its location. For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And so Job said, you can't find it in nature. The animals, the oceans, the mountains don't have it. All the precious metals in the world don't have it. Even the grave doesn't have it. They've only heard about it. But you've got to go to God to get it. You gotta go. Are you going to God for wisdom? Are you asking for wisdom? In the last verse of this of this chapter, twenty eight, twenty eight, 
He said to mankind, The fear of the Lord, that is wisdom, and to turn from evil is understanding. You want to get wisdom? Go to God. Worship God in awe and trembling and joy and turn from evil. That's understanding. Turn from your evil ways. Well, how do I know what's evil? Well, you got to read Scripture. you got to read Scripture. Yes, the Ten Commandments. But also, read Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, the words of Jesus in, in the Gospels. He tells you where the evil is in your heart. And murder is not always the physical act of killing. Sometimes murder, we can murder people with our words. Yes, with your words. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. No, words can hurt. Jesus said so. Your words can kill another. And you need to repent of that. And so I'm going to stop there. And we will continue on. So next week, the, the lesson is actually the words of Elihu, a fourth person that hasn't been mentioned yet. It says that Job had three friends. But then this, this Elihu character shows up, who apparently has been there the whole time. Apparently he's younger than the others and didn't know Job maybe as long. And he pipes up and speaks. So we'll, we'll look at uh, chapters 29 to 31, Job's words, and we'll also work at the, some of the words of Elihu next week. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we just thank you and praise you for all that you do and all the blessings that you provide. Help us to turn to you to gain wisdom, to gain strength for this life, even when our physical strength is, is, is waning at times. We just pray all this in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right. Um, so continue praying this morning. Let's see here. I'm glad you're here today. Let's see. John and Hannah, welcome. I'm glad you're watching. Linda, good morning. Jenny Chambers, thank you for watching. Uh, Judy, Karen, Marina, thank you for watching and listening. So thank you for, for your comments today and all the others who are watching and listening um, let's see, just as close out here, um, once again, let's see, once again, I'm Pastor Nelson Nisley, Associate Pastor at Tower View. I'm not the senior guy. I'm not in charge. You don't want me to be in charge, really, probably. Um, but who are we at? We're at Tower View Baptist Church. We're in Kansas City, Missouri. Um, we're right off the Interstate 435, which it's very quiet this morning. It's kind of eerie that the interstate's so quiet. We have a six-lane interstate in front of the church. and um, Well, I saw one truck going down there, but it was a construction vehicle, hauling construction vehicles. Um, but we're in Kansas City, Missouri, right by a big, colorful water tower that's painted um, by the amusement park that's nearby. So that's where we're at, Interstate 435 and 48th Street, we're at the corner of Randolph Road and Northeast 50th Street. So if you want to find out where church is this morning at 1030, um, church is open. You can come in. Masks are optional. Social distancing is optional. Like, even before the you know, if you're sick, if you got a fever, you don't come to church. Okay, I get it. Okay, we don't want to spread the flu or anything else around. 
Um, but you know, if you're just feeling bad, if you, you're feeling like, I don't feel like going to church today, well, those are the days you really ought to go to church maybe and come and worship with your brothers and sisters in Christ. Um, you can check us out on our website, towerviewkc.com. You can call, you can text us at our, our phone number, 816-368-1330. That's our number, and you can call, you can text that line. There are places on the website you can leave a message, prayer requests, uh, questions that you have. Tells you our email addresses and all that stuff. So check us out. If you're, you know, we're on Facebook too, Tower View Baptist Church. And we're the one, like I said, we're the one in Kansas City, Missouri. There is another Tower View that's in Illinois. I'm sure they're a fine church. They're just in Illinois, not Kansas City. Um, so we thank you for watching and listening. Once again, um, find your way. There's a, like I said, there's road close signs on Randolph Road and 48th Street. It says close to through traffic. You are not through traffic. You are local traffic if you're coming to Tower View. You can drive around the barricade. Uh, you have to drive on the shoulder there, but it's gravel, so it's, it's, it's solid enough. You're not going to get stuck. Or you can go down just a little bit west and go to Winchester Street and, and come from the west side of the church back through the neighborhood there on the, on the west side of the water tower. So you'll go on to Winchester and you'll turn right and then you'll turn right on 50th Street and you'll get to church. So thank you for watching and listening this morning. Thank you all. And I pray God's blessings on you. God bless and have a wonderful day.